Welcome back to the Effort of Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, Gabe Yanez and I, we're talking about my first jiu-jitsu tournament at Purple Belt. You've been hearing us talk about it on the podcast. Well, today, we talk about how I did, lessons learned, things I was pondering, and what I'm going to think about for the next jiu-jitsu tournament. We also talk about our most recent trip to Camp Pendleton, working with Customs and Border Protection. I was honored to be a part of it to try and share some things about fitness, but mostly I was just inspired by their level of fitness and their commitment to excellence and just getting better. So we talk about Customs and Border Protection, talk about the Jiu-Jitsu tournament, and then finish it off by talking about this idea of the man in the arena. And just a mindset, a, a quote that I was really pondering this last week, things that were on my mind and things that I'm going to take with me going to the next tournament and, uh, you know, next training session. So I hope you're getting value from this, whether it's from mindset or being inspired to go out there and go do something new. If you are, simple ask. Just let a friend know about this podcast, whether it's our longer episodes of Gabe and I, or it's our guest episodes that are coming up more often, or it's a short format, Coffee Clip is on Monday. If you're getting value from this, let a friend know. We'll greatly appreciate it. Now, without any further ado, let's have a great episode with Gabe Yanez talking all things jujitsu, Camp Pendleton, and a bunch of other stuff. Let's go. So that video I just sent you, the reason why it's, it's so interesting is that this helicopter had to hover above a building that was like six feet wide. And I was looking at the first time they did it, they did two iterations. And the first time they did it, I was like, oh, they're kind of hovering. They're taking a little bit longer to fast rope than I would expect. But the reason why is that once I got onto the roof, so the first time I watched this activation, I was on the ground. Second time I went onto the roof and I didn't realize how narrow the roof was until you're up there. And that's why it took a little bit longer than so the fast rope down. Let's backtrack a little bit. You got to give people context here. Oh, dude. Well, I you you, you sent me, sent me a video and now you're describing it. Let's give people a little bit of context. So you've been up to a whole bunch since last time we recorded. We'll get to the BJJ tournament, but what specifically were you talking about now? Where were you? Who were, you know, how did you get there? And what is it that we were watching? Then that yeah, so I, I sent you a video of myself and actually my dad was up there too um, at in at Camp Pendleton. So I, I spent two days at Camp Pendleton working with uh, Customs and Border Protection. And I was working with them specifically. I was, uh, you know, providing them feedback on fitness. But <laughs> naturally, as you do when you're there, you want to see them kind of take action with, with what they're working on. So they flew in, they brought in multiple different um, groups from different areas. So you have like San Francisco office, San Diego office, LA office of customs and border protection. And they brought them in. They're actually doing three of these events throughout the country. So um, there was, they're doing one, you know, on the East coast, one, you know, in Texas, one in California. And essentially they're just drills, right? Where these guys come in and they get, you know, they get told the situation. In this particular case, the situation involved, you know, going and getting a bad guy and they had all the options they could, but what they chose to work on is this fast roping approach. So they had one group kind of come in from a helicopter, fast rope from the top, go to the roof. They had another group come in with SUVs and like scream in and they basically just took down this building and I got to observe it. And they used sim rounds and stuff like that, but it was a really cool experience to watch, um, you know, them go after the building. And then they had an after action report of how they did, what they could have done better. And I just wanted to observe it to see what, like what the strain on them was. And then the next morning at like really early in the morning, I took them through a, a series of fitness components to kind of teach and share what I've learned over the last, you know, 20 years. What are, 
So would this technically be like the special forces group of custom and border protection? Yeah, so it was the, they called the SRT, so you know, special response team. And it's funny how this whole thing came to be. We've worked with different law enforcement groups and, and different groups over the years. And I'm, I'm, I'm particularly very invested in law enforcement because um, I just feel like we have some secrets to fitness and we could provide that to them and save them time and, and get them fitter. And I think it's going to make them better at their job. So about maybe 12 years ago, so 15 years ago, we opened the gym. About maybe 13, 14 years ago, a gentleman enrolled there and he wanted to try out for this group. And as part of the selection process, it's a mile and a half run, 60 push-ups in two minutes, pull-ups, and like a swim test and whatnot. And I helped him prepare for selection. And fast forward all these years, he ended up becoming relatively high ranking in that particular unit. And he oversaw some of the training aspects. And that's why he reached out to me. We, we connected to come there and basically share some of the insight that I had shared with him 10, 15 years ago to share with his guys. So it was kind of like a full circle kind of thing. It was cool. I've always been curious about this. So a little bit of back backstory. I am um, between my, my junior year and senior year in high school, I went to the Naval Academy. It's called the summer seminar where you go out and like spend, I forget how much it was. I think it was six days there. And it's kind of like an added bonus to the application process. If you want to go to the Naval Academy. And part of that was kind of going through a lot of, or like smaller versions of some of the tests, the fitness tests you would take. And it was similar to what you were saying now, right? Like it's push-ups, sit-ups, it's, it's, you know, like a mile and a half run or whatever to swim. But I've always, especially now that kind of, we know what we know about like, you know, fitness and general physical preparedness, you know, why are these tests still something that, you know, and a lot of probably CrossFit coaches, functional fitness coaches that are listening, does that really tell you how prepared people are for what they're actually going to be doing? Yeah. I mean, it's a great, so it's a, it's a good conversation to have, right? Because I see both sides of the coin. I was working with a gentleman who's, um, who's going through selection or getting ready for selection to be a PJ, um, like one of these paratroopers, like a uh, special forces unit. And part of there is to use a hex bar or a trap bar. And, and I could be wrong uh, on, on the exact selection process, but this gentleman in particular, for what he's going for, there is a trap bar that they load up to 385, which, you know, it's not light. And you cap out at eight reps. So if you hit eight reps, you get the 100% score. And then they base it based on how many reps you get. And I actually think the trap bar is a great option uh, versus a traditional bar for people who don't have as much exposure to lifting. But you bring up a really good point. I think there's two sides of the coin. On the one side, they're testing, you know, cardio, muscle stamina, all body weight stuff. The benefit there is that I don't think they're putting people before they get ready for selection uh, at, at as much risk of injury because they're not adding an external load. You could argue that back and forth. The disadvantage there is that they're not adding an external load. So they're never really testing these people on their ability to move an external load, which, you know, as you know, it could be pulling somebody out of a building. It could be, it could, there's so many reasons why having strength benefits you in, in, in particular, you know, law enforcement and military, but yet they don't test it. And what happens is these people become specialists at the test. I would, if I knew my test, the mile and a half run, pushups, pull-ups, whatever, I would become a ninja at that because you want to score the highest you can. But what it ends up happening is that you look at these athletes who, you know, they're fit, they have good aerobic capacity, they look good, right? But they're lacking in some areas, specifically what I, what I noticed 
in, in some different groups is, um, is leg, leg strength, right? Good leg stamina, but just pure strength out of legs is missing because you just don't ever add in a weighted squat of any type. So we had that conversation actually with these guys. I think there's, and you saw the army, the army pivoted their selection process. If I'm not mistaken to add in, um, a push press with like ammo cans or, or some type of hold or deadlift with it, they add an external object. I'd have to look it up, but you're seeing a shift towards that, but it, it, it's, it probably needs to happen more often. A little outdated for sure. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, but I, I mean, I guess I could see that, that argument of like, it's just testing your baseline, right? Because obviously through training, you're going to acquire a lot of like the specific type of fitness I would hope that you would need to like accomplish what any special forces is trying to do. So we're just trying to figure out like, Hey, can you move your body weight? Well, do you have the muscle stamina? And you know, you can even make the argument, like, do you have the, the, just the mental fortitude to like, you know, kind of hit certain benchmarks that are going to take some work in preparation to get into it. And we'll kind of take care of the rest after, but it was just always weird to me that, you know, you wouldn't test, some sort of explosiveness or some sort of like general athleticism, some absolute strength, things that are obviously going to, you know, better equip you to do the things you were saying, right? Drag someone out, you know, carry something heavy, carry ammo cans, whatever that ends up being. Yeah. So I just looked at, so the army combat fitness test, this has changed, right? Um, all of our soldiers are required to pass the new ACFT, which replaced the army physical fitness test in October, 2020. So this is pretty new, right? Um, you have a strength deadlift. You must perform a three repetition deadlift with the weight increased with each repetition. The weight range of the deadlift is 120 to 420 pounds. The deadlifts replicate picking up ammunition boxes, a wounded soldier, supplies, and heavy equipment. Wow. Then you have a standing power throw, hand release push-ups, sprint, drag, carry, plank, and then a two-mile run. So that's pretty interesting, right? So that, that's the new Army combat, combat fitness test. So you, you could just see there is a, there is an evolution occurring. It just kind of takes time, especially in these giant organizations. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it now too. And it has like every movement has like movements you can do to train for this event. Just, yeah, pretty, just NCX bro. I should say just NCX. It must've been inspired hundred percent. I mean, this is definitely inspired. It seems like by like the CrossFit demographic in, in the army who kind of started, um, but I mean, these guys, so anyways, this, this SRT unit that I worked with, super humble, awesome guys. You know, one of the things that I'll, I'll, I'll give a shout out is to Customs and Border Protection, to having the open mind enough and the idea of like evolving enough to bring in different, you know, SMEs, right, to, to help out. Like they had a gentleman there who definitely had subject control expertise in more combat related. And then they brought me in to talk about fitness. So I spent two hours with them talking about you know, a bunch of different things, but it's cool that even these guys at the tip of the spear and as an organization at the tip of the spear, they're still willing to learn and willing to grow and improve. So, um, just even more respect for what's, what's happening with customs and border protection, you know, for that yeah. reason. It's cool that you get to go out there, um, and, you know, help this group out, check, check out what they're doing. The video was awesome. I'm not sure if you're allowed or going to share that but the video is pretty cool um yeah we're still going through like what what is allowed and what isn't allowed to be shared obviously we're going to try and avoid any faces and things like that but you know at a high level what i did from a fitness perspective is i want to test out how well they could recover how their breathing was so we actually went through a burpee test to see like hey how do you approach emoms how can i keep my heart rate low 
while still simultaneously moving and finding a breathing rhythm. That's how I started it, you know, kind of reminding them of a lot of times in fitness or whatever they're doing, even watching their activation, sometimes you, you miss your breathing cadence and then all of a sudden your heart rate spikes. So I wanted to work with that. I then talked a little bit about mindset, then transitioning a deadlift, hollow rock, some kind of uh, mobility work, like as an EMOM, showing them how they can get all this work done in a very little amount of time and then finish it off with like a three minute on, one minute off partner style workout, all the while just kind of teaching different big picture theories, right? Like, like, you know, ground overhead with a plate, how you can use minimal equipment and get a big bang for your buck. Talking about midline stabilization, how you can work some that core strength in other ways than just a sit up. Um, talking about the foundation of, you know, pulling from the flat ground, back squatting, things like that. Those, those are the general themes we went over of how to approach a workout, how to approach a warm up, and what should they be thinking of? So I know you don't like throwing in, throwing anyone under the bus. Very uncontroversial, Jason Kalipa. So I don't know how honest you're going to be in answering this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Were you like pleasantly surprised, a little disappointed? Like how would you gauge the movement quality and then also the fitness level of like the, the, the people that you saw given what their job was? I, I would say that, you know, out of, I've worked with a lot of different groups over the years. I would say that this group, there was 30 of them, had the most consistent fitness, meaning like, like consistently, they were all like good. They were all good. Uh, the question would be, how do I get them better? I think just, just we saw maybe a deficiency in the pure strength side for sure. Um, but they were probably the best group I've seen as a whole to have 30 people that, that maybe not, the, you know, I've seen a lot of good groups, but, you know, compared to some other organizations we worked with in the past to see 30 people all with a pretty good baseline of fitness, particularly with their cardio was pretty impressive areas of improvement. I think go into pure strength. And that really goes into the fact that every year they have a PT test. That is that mile and a half run in under 11 minutes, which in itself is a hard, that's a good accomplishment. And so these guys are training specific for that. And um, I think just even switching that up to add in some type of weighted something, I think would go a long way. So it, it exceed, they exceeded my expectation. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. 11 minute, how much is that? What's, what's the mile pace on that? I'm trying to I think it's it like out. a, what is that? Like a seven minute mile, right? I think, I think just over a seven minute mile. So yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, you can't, you can't mail that in. That's, that's pretty good. You can't mail that in. I mean, you, you're, I mean, you know, mile and a half in 11 yeah, minutes. 10 and, a, 10, 10 and a half would be a seven minute pace, like seven right. flat. So seven, 10, seven, 10 yeah. pace. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's not, you know, that's not hyperspeed, but it's not bad. And, and so yeah, anyways, it, it'll open up more conversations with them where, you know, I'd like to provide some insight on what I think we could do even just a moderate weight, like a, a 45 pound plate or a barbell and just working some tempo for the guys a couple of days a week or once a week, I think would go a long way. And just the, the pure strength on legs in particular. All right. So let's pivot to the topic that you love talking about. Oh, even though, even I don't know. Said, I'm a little bitter for the last little couple of days, but even though, even though we said we weren't going to talk about it anymore, if you didn't win. So, oh. um, but we'll, we'll, no, I'm just giving you a Make hard time. So at this time last week, you were competing at, you know, what you said was like the, the highest level tournament of kind of where you're at now, right? Like masters, gi, BJJ, big bracket, more competitors than you faced before. Give me a rundown. Obviously, you know, if, if people weren't following along how it went, and then I have a bunch of questions on, because I watched 
both fights, the videos afterwards. It was funny. I was trying to watch it live on 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 Flo. Friday. No, not not on Flow because they make you commit for an entire Dude, year. I know but that's a terrible. Idea. Yeah. If you're trying to get new people into the sport, first of all, like what do you do? Hundred percent. I would have yeah. happily have if I could have like purchased that event to check it out. I would have probably done that, and then I probably would have wanted to do. What's coming up? What is it next week? ADCC is this week uh, coming up next week. Yeah. Like now that I, I, I um, listened to Gordon Ryan, who was on Rogan yesterday, I thought that was an interesting episode. Like I'd love to watch, but it's just, it's such a pain in the butt that you have to commit to the entire year. Anyway, neither here nor there. Fiddy, who's on our team, one of our designers, he found a Twitch stream of a guy that was like streaming a bunch of the fights. So me and him were on Slack and we were like waiting trying for to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he didn't he didn't end up showing your fight. But anyway, I watched them after the fact. So I've Oh yeah, because you got the raw footage of them, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But from from the horse's mouth, give us the 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 quick like one minute rundown of how it went. So, you know, I, I show up to Vegas and the, the event was much bigger than I anticipated. So for those who are in the CrossFit space, which are a lot of people listening, it reminded me a lot of Wadapalooza. It reminded me a lot of Wadapalooza, meaning I actually think there might have been more people at this jiu-jitsu tournament than at Wadapalooza, probably actually. Um, but it, it had a lot of competitors, which Wadapalooza has, versus like the games, which has very few competitors, but a lot more spectators. This one had a lot of spectators and a lot of competitors. And people came from all over the world for this. And um, so in a, in a nutshell, um, you know, it was, it was nerve-wracking, man. I, I learned a lot about myself and... You know, I got there the day before to kind of mentally prepare. And I think that showing up there the day before, so I'm sitting on the, look, I've competed in, in CrossFit probably, I don't know, many, many times in front of many people. And the nerves are always there because you care. And, and I think it reminds me a lot. We're like, it's good to be nervous because it means you care enough about something. There's some people that go throughout their entire lives and never feel nervous about anything they're doing. So I, I enjoy those nerves, but if I'm being brutally honest, I had a little bit of like, uh, I was a little scared too, which I, I don't get from CrossFit. So from CrossFit, I would get nervous for sure, especially like doing one-on-one -on -one CrossFit open events, very nervous. But when you're showing up the day before and you're seeing people like, you know, get hurt, getting hobbled off, getting choked out, it's, it's, there's, there's a part of it like that internally you get scared. And so I left the day, the first day I was like, oh, okay. I was a little bit scared. Right. Um, so I, I was going to ask, but I think you answered it a little bit. Were you scared more because, hey, like I'm literally going to be, without mincing words, fighting someone that's trying to hurt me? Or was it scared because of like, you know, expectations? Like you, I'm sure you wanted to perform a certain way and kind of like the fear of, you know, falling short of that. It was, it was, it was the, the other one. It's, it's the fight. It's, it's the fact that you're literally going into a battle that you know is taking place at this time where you're each trying to physically dominate each other. Now, I don't think at my level, people are literally trying to hurt each other. I, I don't think that. And I would hope not. Like, I'm not trying to hurt somebody so they can't go to work the next day or keep up with their kids. That's not my intention. But I am trying to win. And so if that means I'm going to smother their face and choke them out, like, I want to do that. If it means I'm going to armbar them, I'm going to armbar them. Now, I'm not trying to armbar them to the point where I'm trying to break their elbow. But, you know, it's it's very physical. It's very aggressive. And so... I had to get over that. So I left, I left the venue because it was just, it was just a lot of, of energy, a lot of like this, like kind of aggressive energy, which I, you know, I, I like, but this was like overload. So the next day I show up, I get ready to compete. I warm up, feel good. 
I got my, um, I was using like this element tablets, like the salt replacement tablets. My nutrition was on point. I felt great. I, I felt mental clarity was on point. I felt good. I wasn't, it was great. So I get ready for my first fight. I make weight. You make weight right before you go on. So luckily for me, I went up a weight class. So I didn't have to worry about weight at all. You, you weigh in, boom, you're in. And my first match went really well. I mean, I stood up with a guy for maybe, a, maybe 45 seconds. I took him down, which was my plan. And I basically, for the next four minutes, just dominated him. Uh, I scored 17 or 15 points um, from mount, side control, uh, neon belly. You name the position. I was working it. Um, he tried a few things on me. It didn't quite work. And I left there feeling very confident um, that first round. So first round was really good. If you watched it, Gabe, like you saw a lot of like earned confidence on that one. I felt great. <laughs> Do you think... Now, looking back at it, do you think you left that a little too confident? Do you think that that played into your approach or things you could have done differently on the second match at all? No, no, um, no, I think it was before the first match that could have played into my second match. Meaning, so I go into the second match and this gentleman had had a buy because he had, based on the way the leaderboard is set up, he I had had that. a buy, which was whatever, it's fine. I, I actually don't think it's like a huge competitive advantage because I wasn't is, that tired from round one. What is that ranking based off of? Like what he had gave... points from previous competitions. So he competed. I had zero points. I've never competed. Got at, it. Like, Got and it. he had like a couple hundred points because he had like placed at other events, right? Got it. Which could mean something or could not, right? Like sometimes you place just because no one else shows up for your event. Sometimes you place because you win. Um, so I go up my first, my next match and this guy's fresh, which is fine. That's unrelated. I, I would actually, I was fine with my second match. But me and this guy, he's from a different country. I don't quite know where he was from, but we stood up for the entire time, which is at our weight level, it's not super rare, but it's kind of rare. Um, so he must have gone into it with the game plan of, I am not pulling guard and I'm not going, like I'm not pulling guard. He must have gone into there with that mindset. And I went into there with the mindset of, I'm not pulling guard either. And so it ended up just like this battle. So one thing though, I, I, I get that it might not have been a huge advantage that, you know, he had a buy from like a, oh my God, I'm so exhausted and he's not perspective, but did he watch your first match and how much of an advantage could that have played into it? Cause I'm sure he, he knew that the winner of this match is who I'm facing next. I have a buy. Like if that was me, what would I do? I would sit right there and like dissect who is going to be my next opponent and try and figure out like, whoa, he's good here, he's good there. And again, I'm speaking out of my butt a little bit because I really know nothing about jujitsu, but that would be my assumption. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought about it through that lens. So yeah, he could have. Um, but this guy, I, I think he probably had a judo background by the way he stood up. So sometimes with people with judo background, they do a lot of stand-ups, so they, but, they, but they are, they're more upright in their position. Whereas in wrestlers, they're really low. And then jujitsu is kind of like this hybrid. And so I could tell when I stood up with him, like, he was a strong guy. Like he was a strong dude and we went at it and I thought I was going to get him tired. And he, he, he was starting to get tired towards the end. I could tell by the way he was re replacing his belt, but I went up and advanced. Oh, dude, dude, the belt replace. I was like, how is he taking this long? I was like, <laughs> like I, I, I had known that the match already happened and I was like cheering at this. I was like, you know, like angry sports fan at the screen. Like this is bullshit. He's taking so long to put his belt because at that point, you had had, you had scored an advantage and there was, I think like 30, 20 seconds left in the match. And yeah. 
he was taking his sweet time replacing his belt, dude. Dude, he did, he did not want to get back into it. No, so so, but back to what you're saying. So we start off, we're standing up, boom, 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 boom. My game plan was like to go for the single leg. I ended up catching him with a double leg, kind of, that took him to the ground, and he ended up what what called like a turtle position. So he never actually like fell on his back, and it was a learning lesson for me because I took him down pretty well, but I didn't stabilize the position. So I got an advantage, but I didn't get points. Had I stabilized the position better, which uh, something I could work on now. I would have gotten points and basically I would have won. No problem or no problem. So we stand back up again because he basically defends out of it, which he did a good job. He, we stand up. He then kind of gets me with something similar with like 30 seconds left. So now we're one advantage to one advantage. We're tied. And we go in for the last like 15, 20 seconds after his belt, whatever. And um, I take him to the ground again and I get like a, like a, I like shut down his takedown. I, I sprawl on him. And, um, dude, I thought for sure I won. I got up, I tied my belt. I wasn't tired. I felt good. I felt like I was the more aggressive fighter and, um, I didn't get it. And so there goes my tournament. You know, it's, it's, I learned a lot about the sport of jujitsu that people come from all over the world and they could fight for 30 seconds and get tapped out, or they can go to this place where the ref makes the decision. And man, I'll tell you, I would have rather have gotten choked out. Out, out cold. I would have rather have blacked out cold than lose the way I lost. <laughs> Like it was so brutal. I was so mad. I'm still bad, but I was really bad then. Oh man, that's a sound clip right there. You got to timestamp that one. Would the decision at the end of the ref? It's it's completely just up to him based off of like. Is there any like? Is the expectation that he's doing it based off of who he who he felt was more aggressive? Is it based on like style points? I I don't even know what that would look like. Like technique. Like or is it just like like you choose. Yeah. I, so according to like, and again, I'm not like a jujitsu expert by any means, but according to my friends round, like it's basically, it's like a, it's literally a coin toss, literally like in a, in a match that's even, unless there's something that's like really dominant, like it, it just goes down. Cause it's an even match, right? We tied, we tied. I think they got to look at those rules because I mean, again, I'm, I'm obviously a little bit bitter cause I was on the, the negative side of it. Had I been on the positive side, I might not be saying the same thing, but I wish it would have given us like two more minutes to fight, you know, like, like give us a couple more minutes because give five minutes some overtime, dude, five minutes is so short. And yeah, I, I assuming I, because you watched both the fights, like, I don't know. What do you think? You watch the fight. You don't know much about jujitsu. I don't know that much about judging. Who do you think would? I mean, it's tough. Cause obviously I'm right. Biased. I was like rooting for you the entire time. It was right. like, you know, like my friend, co-worker and then like this other guy that looked like you know a bouncer at a at a, <laughs> at a really rough really rough part that's what he looked like dude, dude he, he had like a i don't i don't know what nash i, I think it might have been russian i don't know but man he had a coach and this coach was just screaming things in like some you know european language that <laughs> it was good oh dude that guy looked like bad news um but anyway yeah i mean i i i thought you won but also like that's another thing. Like as an outsider looking in, it's rough for a spectator, man. Like it is, it's, it's, it's tough because like maybe it was your specific second match, but the fact that you guys were standing the whole time, like it was just, it, it was boring. Like there wasn't much going on. Like you guys were kind of just standing, feeling each other up. Like you'd grab his lapel and like try and pull him down, but it wouldn't really go anywhere. And then you'd kind of go back to that. And then a lot of resets by the ref, like, 
it, it ended up being like, you know, four and a half minutes or four minutes, 15 seconds of nothing. And then like a really kind of exciting and confusing 45 seconds that like, and then that, that was it. Yeah. And, and, and so looking back on it, you ask like, what could I have done different going into match two? And it wasn't that like I was overly zealous or it wasn't that like, I mean, I was in a really good state of mind. Like I, I didn't feel overly confident. I felt good. Each match is its own match. I knew that this guy was going to be different than the other guy, maybe better, maybe worse. Who knows? Um, but what, what I need to work on now is that if I'm going to decide that I'm going to stand and I'm going to take somebody down or they're going to pull a guard on me, if those are the only two options I'm okay with, then I need to have more tools in my toolbox to take them down and, or, I need to be able to just pull guard and feel comfortable in that. Like I should have probably just pulled guard against that guy because I maybe could have swept him or done something else, but I was so dead set on my game plan because that's what we had worked on with our coaches. Like I was not prepared to deviate from my plan. I thought he was going to get tired with like 45 seconds left and I was going to be able to take him down really easy. It just never really ended up happening. So I need to have a bigger depth of my game and that's on me. And just for the record, for anybody listening, I am not mad at the referee. I was very frustrated, yes, and I was I was mad. But it's my own fault that I wasn't so dominant that I left it up to the referee's decision. I should have been so dominant that I didn't leave it to chance. That all being said, right, it was super frustrating. Like, I finished the fight, and the guy comes over to me, and I was just like, man, I'm, I said to him, I was like, dude, I'm so frustrated right now. He's like, at me. I was like, I was like, no, no, no. I'm just frustrated at the situation. I just, I just needed to leave. I needed to leave because I was so mad. The ref come up to you? Oh, uh, no, the other guy. Because he, oh, like, you know, he wanted yeah. to, like, kind of, like, hug it out or whatever, which was fine. Like, I wasn't mad at him. But, I was, like, he could visibly see that I was very upset. Dude, and I, I was just see it, too. It, it came it, through the camera. You were not happy. No, I wasn't happy. I'm not happy because I'm, I'm very competitive. I wasn't, like, but, again, I wasn't, like, mad at him. I didn't want to, like, sure. fight him. I wasn't yelling. I was just very internally frustrated, you know? Yeah, I mean, and, and eventually the video um, that you recorded, which is a great video, will come out and people will see like, yeah, you weren't like upset, like throwing your hands up in the air, throwing a tantrum. It's just for anyone that knows you, your facial expression just showed how frustrated you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not that guy and I never will be that guy who's, you know, throwing chairs around and screaming and yelling. But, you know, that was just a really difficult way to lose. It was a very difficult way not to yeah, move on. That's rough, for sure. I would have rather have gotten choked, like I said. Like, because then at least I'd be on this podcast with you and be like yeah dude the guy was just better than me man i gotta go back to the drawing board but in this case we tied like ah i can't you, you see how fresh i get just talking about it. <laughs> did you um is there any words exchanged in both matches before like do you know who your your opponent is and are you like are you like silently sizing him up like kind of like checking out his body language do you say anything what does that look like or is it just like the first time you make eye contact is before like the slap and fist bump to get going. Yeah. So basically it works is you sit in this like corral. So they weigh you, they check your gi with like these like things, um, which was new for me. Like, so they, they, they check to make sure like your gi fits a certain way. They make sure that you don't have like super long nails and shit like that. Then they weigh you and they put you in a corral. Once you're in the corral, you're ready to go. You can't leave the corral because you just, you can't exit. And then they call your name up. And what you do is you, you and your competitor, go wait in line right behind. Like you'll have two guys fighting and then you'll have the other two guys waiting in line to get on the mat. So at that point, you'll know exactly who your competitor is before that you wouldn't know. And so you'll then see your competitor. Maybe you're like, Hey, you know, 
I don't know. I think the first guy was like, hey, man, like, uh, like, I don't know. I think I said like, hey, nice to meet you or something like that. I think that was it. And with the second guy, I didn't say any words to him until we, we, we went. So we shook the hand of the judge or the ref. We gave a little fist pump and go. There's a lot of mutual respect without even having to talk about it, though, this, it's, it, especially at that level. Is there any is there any words exchanged afterwards? Aside from that little exchange that you said you had the, with the, the, the first second guy? guy, the first guy said to me, he's like, hey, man, you're the strongest. I think he might have said you're the strongest fucking guy I've ever felt or something, something along those lines. Like, I can't believe your strength or whatever. Right. Like whatever that was the first guy. And then the did second, you tell, him to, did you tell him to check out the NC fit app. If he wants to, that's, what I, that's what I should have told him. <laughs> and then the second guy, we just had that exchange. And then I think we were like walking off or something. He's like, Hey man, like your strength was something like, but at that point I didn't want to hear it because he had just beat me based on the judges. So I think both of them basically said the same thing. Like, wow. Like it's because I gripped the lapels. I, I need to continue to work. My technique is, is basically the bottom line. Hmm. It, what I'm proud of myself of is I'm proud that I, you know, went out there. I, I walked the walk. I talked the talk of getting uncomfortable, putting myself out there. And I truly believe I, I put in my best effort. I do. It's unfortunate that it ended up this way, but you know, the, the, the quote that I was pondering leading up into this event was the, the man in the arena. Have you read that one before? No. So I'll just share this with you and then, um, and then I'll, uh, man in the arena quote. So Gabe, it goes like this. So we don't really need to do the whole thing, but basically in a nutshell, it says it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who actually does, but who does actually strive to do the deeds. Um, da -da -da -da. This is the part that I was like resonating with. Um, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. Those were just things I was, I was pondering, like getting ready. Like, like, dude, winning this event or losing this event wasn't going to change my life, right? But I was nervous. But I was pondering that quote basically saying like, it's not the other people who are listening to this podcast who have who think about me. It's not anybody. It's just me. And it's, it's my own ability to go out there and be in the arena to put myself in a competitive mindset. And all the lessons I'm going to learn through the process was a lot that I was pondering going into it. Yeah, I mean, you, you got in there and that's that's what counts. And that's what I think a lot of people end up doing, not doing things that they otherwise, you know, really want to do because of the fear of, you know, whatever might go wrong, whatever error they might take. And it's a really good failure. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's it sucks to lose, right? But, I, you know, I wouldn't have had that moment where you're standing on the podium if I wasn't, if, if, you're not going to have that moment and you're also not going to have like the failure. Uh, like you, you, you could have either and you aren't going to know unless you put yourself out there. And so I learned a lot from this tournament. I'm excited for the next one. I'm excited for the rogue invitational. That'll be just completely different. But one thing that, that Mason told me before I left and this, he's, I was like, you know, cause at the time I was performing well in the gym. Like I'm, you know, I'm doing pretty good. And he goes, Jason, you never know who you're going to get out there. I'm like, yeah. I was like, yeah, but you know, I'm performing pretty well at the gym. He's like, dude, Jason, you never know. 
you might find some middle-aged dude who recently got divorced. He's trying to get some chicks and he wants that double gold around his neck because he just got divorced. He needs a chick and he thinks that getting double gold is going to get him the chicks. He's going to go out there. He's going to try and smash your ass. So watch out for the recently divorced dude who wants the double gold to go pick up some chicks. They're coming after you. And I'm like, all right, thanks, bro. Like, <laughs> like based on the motivation, like basically he was trying to say like, there's going to be someone out there who's ruthless, who wants to beat you. You got to be prepared for it. I like that. That's the motivation to be ruthless. It's just getting chicks after a divorce. <laughs> that's what he said. He said. I was like, out of all things, you're talking about getting divorced. Anyways, yeah. it was, it was fine. Do you know how, um, how the guy that you lost to in that second match, how he ended up doing overall? Yeah, he ended up taking third. Third. Okay. Yeah. So again, adds a little bit out more. Of, out of how many people? Uh, thirty. So, but the way it works in jiu-jitsu is kind of random because it's all bracket-based. So, um, you know, you never sure. know what you're going to get and who you're going to get. Yeah. But, you know, my recommendation would be it, there's different rule sets going on in jiu-jitsu. Like, the, for example, the big tournament that Mason's fighting in, ADCC, is completely different rule set. Um, I think that they're going to have to figure out what the rule set is that makes sense. Because if they're, if they're longer matches, sometimes the events then take forever. But to lose like that, man, it, it left a sour taste in my mouth for sure. I... I I wish I had had more of an opportunity to showcase my jiu-jitsu, but someone else would say, hey, you had five minutes to showcase it and you couldn't do it. So I see both sides. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, like having that chip on your shoulder, not that you need more motivation, but I'm sure that that, you know, light a fire once you kind of start getting back into it or have another tournament that you're, you know, prepping for. Yeah, and I mean, something else to think about for anybody who's interested in competing in anything is like worst case, I mean, well, the reason why I was a little bit scared is because there's definitely a risk of injury for sure, because guys are turning it up a little bit, but you know, worst case, you don't do as well as you want, but you just spent the last you know month or two really training hard. And now your jujitsu is at a level that would, it wouldn't have been at that level had you not have set yourself this goal. So for that, I'm very, I'm very fortunate, right? That now my jujitsu is at a much better place than it was six months ago. Cause I was preparing for this goal, just like my fitness is going to be at, I don't want to say an all time high, but it's going to be at a really good high. Um, I actually think my fitness might be at like an, like a five year high coming up at the end of October. So because of the rogue invitational. That's exciting, man. Um, I'm obviously going to be there. It's going to be a lot of fun to, you know, watch you throw down in something that's a little bit more spectator friendly. Um, not throwing any, any, any hate at, um, at BJJ, but it wasn't, and it was funny because just, just yesterday, um, Gordon Ryan, who we've talked about a little bit on here before, like yeah. the guy that, you know, is supposed to be the bee's knees when it comes to Nogi Jiu-Jitsu, was on Rogan. And I listened to the whole episode, partly because I wanted to have some stuff to talk about with, with, with you. But I thought it was really interesting because they were – it was him and the guy that's organizing ADC. Yeah, Mo. Yeah. Did you listen to it yet? I have not. No. I need it, to. It, it, it's, it's pretty good. I, I, it's probably nothing, nothing new to you, but – Two things I found interesting. One is they talked a lot about how, you know, to potentially get the sport into, you know, the eyes of more people and really grow it, which I, I thought was interesting because I saw a lot of parallels with discussions that we've had about, you know, CrossFit and the sport of fitness because they were talking about how, you know, it's really hard because there's no consistency. Like every different tournament has different rule sets. And so it makes it really tough for people to follow. You know, Gordon was saying how, you know, these like no time cap matches are like the true way to test who's better at jujitsu but like that's impossible for a spectator to follow like no one wants to watch 
over an hour of two yeah. guys sizing each other up. But he was making the argument that like to truly find out like best in, in, in the world, like who's better, you can't put a time cap on it because then people end up like if it's, you know, a, a, a 10 minute time cap, they'll, you know, kind of size each other up for eight minutes and then go all out the last two. Um, and then anything can happen was kind of how he was describing. Yeah, I see that side. And then, but yeah, the unlimited time cap is just boring. I mean, it just takes forever. It's just yeah. impossible. Yeah. Um, but then again, you also, you know, to say that this person is the best in the world and they, they win by an advantage with two minutes left, it's just, it's just very difficult. But you know, what also is tough about jiu-jitsu is that they don't have like the CrossFit games. So ADCCs like the Olympics happens every two years. But you could be a world champion. Like, there's so many different leagues of jiu-jitsu that you could be, like, a multi-time. Like, there's certain ones that matter, but you could also – there's also certain, like, smaller events. It's like – it's like um, it's like winning, uh, you know, like a local CrossFit competition versus winning the CrossFit Games are very different, but they're called different things, right? Whereas in jiu-jitsu, you could just be, like, a jiu-jitsu world champion, but you don't know uh, – there's so many different events. So they got to figure out, like – some of those type of things, the time domains, the spectator friendly, because ultimately if they want the sport to grow, just like CrossFit, they need to make it spectator friendly. And if they don't, like I remember when CrossFit first put out the live rep counter, and that was a major big deal because it kept people engaged. Like, oh, I wonder where this person's at. So the live rep counter made a big difference. What are they going to add to jiu-jitsu to make it like a live rep counter is the question. So, I mean, yeah, yeah that was an example. I mean, they do have yeah. a live rep counter, which is a score, but you know what I mean? Right, right. I mean, it's not like the score is ticking up for the entire match in, in a way that would kind of make it compelling the, the entire time. Yeah. Now, I am going to ADCC, so I'll, I'll, I'll provide my feedback there. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty close to it because we have friends that are going to be competing. Um, but yeah, and then uh, I got, I, we got some exciting stuff we'll continue to talk about. The, 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 the Customs and Border Pro uh, Protection was a really cool event. I, I hope to be able to share some videos from that. Um, we'll have to see what we can share because it's pretty pretty cool um and then the jitsi tournament the video will be released on social media uh very soon so if you follow um at jason Kleeper or, or i don't know if they'll be on nc fit it'll be up there soon try check out the youtube channel too do you think that there needs to be we talked about this before especially with kind of gordon ryan the the pinnacle of the sport and you know the fact that they don't test for performance enhancing drugs and like kind of what that means do you think that for the sport to see legitimate and for it to grow, there needs to be like a crackdown of that stuff? Or do you think it can grow with it still being this thing that like, you know, it's kind of don't ask, don't tell right now. I think it just needs to stay. It'll probably just have to stay the way it is. Don't really? ask, don't tell. Type. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I mean, dude, I don't know. I got, I got, I, I go back and forth on that because on the one hand, I think it really matters. But on the other hand, in jujitsu, it's so technically based, but then again, it's all cardio too. So, yeah, I could go. I could go either way. I think that these guys are getting weighed in every day. I think that there needs to just be an evaluation done across the board. But when should weigh-ins happen? How often should they happen? Are they allowed to have IVs or not? Is that performance enhancing? And then are they going to test for drugs? Because right now for ADCC, they test weight every day, but they're going to allow IVs. In CrossFit, IVs were considered a performance enhancing unless you had like a medical emergency. Of course, they're going to give you an IV. Um, 
where's the line drawn? So I just think it needs to have a good conversation happening. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the one thing though, and I'm, I'm the furthest thing from an expert on these things, but at least my understanding is, you know, performance enhancing drugs, isn't just something that, you know, helps with your strength or your endurance specifically. Cause I get that, you know, BJJ is super technical, right? One thing that they were talking about on the podcast yesterday, which I thought was super interesting is it's the only sport where regularly in the open divisions, you'll have lighter, you know, presumably, presumably weaker components uh, or opponents winning against bigger, stronger components, right? So technique definitely plays a piece. But what I, the argument I would make is, you know, there's definitely PEDs you can take that just help with recovery. So yep. if you're natural and you're trying to strength train and train your cardio and then drill, you know, eight hours of the day, there's a point where your body just can't recover and you're going to bury yourself into the ground. But if you're getting some extra help and you can just spend more hours drilling to get your technique better, isn't that an advantage that's going to help significantly in the sport? Just because you're able to spend more hours on the mat, you don't have to worry about recovery as much. Cause you have, you know, help coming in from whatever outside substance would help with that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's such a big question, right? And then, and then by allowing performance enhancing drugs, I'm not saying they do or they don't allow it, but by not testing, are you actually creating a bigger gap between the amateurs and the pros? So like, for example, if you're a pro and you're getting paid right now and you're making a bunch of money in jujitsu or even CrossFit, well, CrossFit tests, but I know they've had a lot of people pop, but, but once you get to a certain level in jiu-jitsu and you start making a bunch of money off your DVDs and different stuff, you have more money. You can invest that money into supplements, right? But if you're an amateur trying to come up, maybe you don't have that type of money, especially if you're coming over from Brazil and maybe you're you know, living a tough life, you're not going to have all those resources. So does the gap get even bigger from the people who have access to these funds versus not versus if you test it, does it level the playing field more? I, I, I don't know the answer, I don't, but that's something I definitely want to talk to the guys about at ADCC this upcoming week, and I'll let you know what, what the overarching theme is from guys who know a lot more about jiu-jitsu than you and I. Yeah. The other thing I found interesting, and I, I don't know if this is a question, but I just found really interesting, is Gordon Ryan was saying how, and I've noticed this with like videos of, um, I'm blanking on his name, but no, Nicky Rod, who, yeah. you know, and I, who I brought up that like, BJJ is such a sport where you're like very concave in the shoulders. Like you're very rounded forward all the time. And Gordon Ryan is saying that like he can't get anything overhead. He just can't. Like his body is unable to get into the position where he could probably do a strict press with good range of motion. Yeah. He was saying that he would go, you know, just kind of watch a class. And like his coach would tell him just to sit up straight. And like after five minutes, his back is exhausted and he has to like slunch forward. He just, he just can't. Yeah. And he's young. He's in his 20s. Is there, you know, to, and I think this applies to all sports, but do you think that in BJJ specifically, is there like diminishing returns to longevity if you're trying to be the best at this sport? Like, is it something that you're taking years, maybe not off your life, but off of like being able to live freely and fully outside the gym by really trying to excel in this sport specifically? And the only reason I ask is because the best, the unanimously best one in the world is the best in the world, but literally has gotten to the point where he's not even 30 and he can't hold an overhead position or sit up straight for more than five minutes without having to slouch forward. Well, I think he, he's, he's very sport specific, right? So his sport does not necessarily need, but like, 
like take Mason. When I first started working with him, he had a very difficult time hanging from a pull-up bar or pressing overhead. After six months, he can now hang from a pull-up bar comfortably and, and do it. So I think that a guy like Gordon, if he just spent some time in those ranges of motion, he'd eventually be able to get it. But it's like, it's like uh, the PT test we were just talking about. If, if, if you're not testing those positions, like if there's no test for a max deadlift, why would anybody getting ready for selection ever go for max deadlift? They would want to focus on the mile and a half run. Same thing goes with jiu-jitsu. If they're never, if they're not aware of the benefits of working through these ranges of motion, and if it doesn't naturally come up in their training, they're never going to do it. What we need to do is educate, I think, and share with them like, hey, you're having some shoulder issues, or maybe you're having some knee issues. Maybe it's because you're working through these ranges of motion all the time and you're neglecting these ranges of motion. Like the fact you can't get your arm over your head. Well, maybe, yeah, you don't see the direct correlation, but maybe by us getting that more supple, now you might be at a less risk of injury. So that's something I'm very inspired by right now is talking to jiu-jitsu practitioners and sharing with them how time off the mat isn't just about strength conditioning. It's about filling in the gaps that your current protocol isn't because it's just not sports specific and that's okay right like it's okay to be doing things like hanging from a pull-up bar because it opens your shoulder up which strengthens certain positions doing strict pull-ups that you don't work on the mat you know so that's some of the stuff we're doing yeah yeah and i think that a a good way to put it or how how i would try and sell you know, like really looking into doing these exercises and working through those range of motions, even as someone like Gordon Ryan is, he mentioned it on the podcast that like he wants to be competitive in the sport until he's 40. And I think the argument is there, Hey, if you want to do this for another 13 years, you have to work on these things. Like yep. you're fine now because you're 27 and you can get away with a lot of things in your twenties that you're not going to be able to get away with in your late thirties. So putting in the work now to make sure that, you know, you're comfortable doing something as simple as holding an external load overhead could be the difference between you having to call it quits at 35 or being able to stay competitive through your forties. hundred percent. I mean, I think it's a really easy, like this gentleman, um, Alan was at the gym. He's a pro MMA fighter. And he had me do this test where I'd like step over this PVC pipe and I couldn't do it. And he could do it with ease and his suppleness, his mobility was so impressive. And so the question I'd ask Gordon or any fighter, anybody, is like, do you think putting your arm over your head is going to help you in your sport? They're probably going to be like, eh, probably not. Maybe, no, prob probably not, no. But if we could then get them to a point where they just look at this like, hey, this is a deficiency that you have. I think if we improve this, there'll be some correlation to your sport at some point. It's like, it's like why when someone starts doing CrossFit and they start seeing all these results in other areas, all of a sudden their sport starts to get better. I mean, I'm seeing it firsthand with these athletes. So I just think it's going to be education, trial and error and finding what works. And then also like how much time does someone have and where could we kind of make the biggest bang for the buck? Obviously I think our NCX program, I think our Metcom track are great um, for most people. Most of the time, I think if you're doing jujitsu, we're going to need to talk about incorporating some strength work um, on a regular basis. Um, but brother, I got to jump on a, we got a finance uh, conversation coming up basically 10 minutes ago. And uh, those are always <laughs> yeah. the fun ones, right? Um, <laughs> it's funny. Dude, I, literally, I literally have a call with Liz, who does our social media, ten minutes ago. I just got a message. I was like, "Hey, are you coming on?" So yeah, we're we're a little, we're running late here. Hey, well, Gabe, as per usual, thanks for always taking the time. If you're listening to this podcast, we'd really appreciate simple ask, a rating, a review. Really helps out the podcast. Helps us out. Lets us know what you're looking for. So if you could do that, that'd be great. And if you haven't checked out all the things that NC Fit's delivering. Make sure to check out the NC Fit Collective if you're a gym owner and the NC Fit app if you're an athlete in the garage or in your gym.
Gabe, I appreciate you, brother. Stay cool over there in Texas and uh, keep getting after it. All right.